Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige still on vacation. He comes back tomorrow for our big show at the Indiana State Fair. But we always load up amazing guest hosts. And in Big Nige's chair today, the Tonus, Tony Kennett, the investigative reporter from the Daily Signal. Thank you so much for riding shotgun with us this afternoon, Tony. Always a pleasure. And I'm actually going to be joining joining you at the state fair tomorrow. Awesome. I'm taking up your invitation to eat a lot of good food cuz I've never been to the state fair and it's kind of time to rectify that. Well, absolutely. You're going to come by tomorrow. I know Rob Kendall's going to come by tomorrow. Oh, so- that might that might change my plans. <laughs> <laughs> we want everybody to stop by and hang out with us, but let's get into the news of the day here. There's an old expression I think it dates back to the Revolutionary War days. Uh, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong. You're the investigative reporter. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I believe that was supposed to be in the Declaration of Independence, but it got cut out at the last minute. Jefferson advocated for it in there, but Adams wanted to caution a little bit more against (laughs) using that kind of verbiage. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and that's what happens when you have a weapon and you run away from a police officer. So one person is dead after an IMP, IMPD officer was involved in this shooting earlier today. Around 9.40 a.m., this IMPD officer conducted a what should have been routine traffic stop uh, near North Parker Avenue. It was for a car that was driving kind of reckless. Sure. So at that point, after the lights come on and the officer tries to pull the vehicle over, The driver of the car fled on foot with a gun. And then, next thing you know, the officer runs after the driver and shot the perpetrator running away. The person was taken to the hospital where they died. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Don't run from the police. I never understand what people think they're going to get out of that. So, first of all, uh, everyone can see you. The cop's dash cam can document your face. It's not as though you're going to bolt. No one's going to know who the car belongs to, I guess, unless you stole it. And even then, uh, cops are fairly in shape when it comes to the IMPD. I don't think that you're going to book it away from them and do so successfully. To run away with a gun in hand is quite the move. Uh, But then, of course, what's the officer supposed to do? Well, he wasn't shooting at the officer. Uh, how do you know the guy's not going to turn around and fire a couple shots off? It only takes one. Again, as you said, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And I'm hoping that the officer had his body cam video recording, because more often than not, that saves police officers. Because if you remember, before body cam uh, video existed, every anti-police, every leftist lunatic thought, well, once they get those body cameras on, we're going to stick it to the police. They can't just shoot innocent people anymore. That was the ridiculous rhetoric that you heard from the anti-police crowd. And it feels like, and I don't have any numbers here, but a lot of the time, these body cams protect the officers. They show the force they were used was justified. Now, we could all point to a couple 
incidents around the country where you could say, well, the body cam showed this or that. But as a whole, an overwhelming majority at the time, these body cam officers have been a blessing to the police. And, and this is the kind of thing that I think about. I was in Philadelphia not too long ago for a, a series of conferences. One of them was this Moms for Liberty annual conference that they were holding there. And uh, all of the Philadelphia police officers had lined up to allow individuals to go inside this Museum of the American Revolution. Uh, because earlier that day, Antifa had defaced the museum, broken windows, spray painted over Washington, crossing the Delaware. And the cops were talking about their, their body cameras. And they were basically bringing up that it's it really it's as much for our protection as it is for anyone that we might get in an altercation with because people will accuse cops of absolutely everything and it's nice to have a little something to relay that no you know the cop didn't tackle you and say this is MAGA country and hit you with a subway <laughs> sandwich that didn't happen we have the footage to prove it and exhibit A in Indianapolis is Drayshawn Reed right the narrative that you was pushed onto people was, well, this was this unarmed young man. You know, he just got into a bad situation. He was running for the police. Yeah. Graduation photos on TV, nice sure. big, huge smile, things like that. Oh, yeah. His social media was loaded of videos of him firing his weapon out in random neighborhoods. Like you do, like, like everyone does. Live streamed the fact that he was in a chase with the police and then... And I have to give him a hat tip. One of the great press conferences I've ever seen was when law enforcement, the IMPD and the state police broke down frame by frame, piece of evidence by evidence, ballistics, anything you want of what went down that day. And there was no doubt that Drayshawn Reed tried to kill the officer with the IMPD. And you didn't hear too much after that. No, and everything kind of died away. It's like, oh, no indie star op-eds about that. And what makes me sick to my stomach, and I know we're kind of off on a different tangent here, but the city gave the family of Drayshawn Reed money. The city of Indianapolis had a settlement with the family of Drayshawn Reed, knowing damn well that he tried to kill an IMPD officer, and that officer was cleared of all charges. It's just disgusting the way things work out sometimes. But again, I'm glad that these body cams exist, and we'll see what happens here. Uh, big news coming out of the world of legal stuff. The state of Indiana is proposing an investigation into AES's handling of those storms in late June. So two like watchdog agencies have called on the Indiana Utility Regulatory Committee to investigate AES for the time it took to restore people's power. Now the storm happened on June 29th. There were some people and our executive producer was one of them that didn't have power for like four days. Four days is a ridiculous amount of time to not have power in a major city that didn't have a hurricane roll through it. And AES has ticked off that this whole thing is actually happening. In a filing with the IURC, Indiana Utility Regulatory Committee, dated on Tuesday, AES Indiana says, quote, to paint AES Indiana 
as providing unreliable service and being unresponsive to this significant storm event lacks merit. Now, on the other side of this, Tony, the IUCC guy, Indiana Utility Consumer Counselor, it's a cat by the name of Bill Fine, quote, we understand that the June 29th storms were especially intense and that additional storms occurred the following days. However, we need to gather the facts regarding the outages, especially the factors causing certain customers to be without electricity for more than five days. I mean, this is this is something that I've always been uh, interested in, is how PR people, whenever you're talking about some kind of an organization, they do not know how to respond to things. The worst way that you can respond to like a kind of investigation is just come out and be like, well, this is completely ridiculous. We're fine. You're just trying to throw our name in the trash instead of saying, hey, look, we understand there were a lot of people upset. We try to provide the best service. That's why we're going to be completely transparent so that people can reestablish their trust in our organization if it's faltered. That sounds like a a well-rational, reasoned way to go about doing things. Instead of throwing a chair through a plate glass window and screeching like a monkey in a cage. I I don't understand why that was the move AES decided to go with here. July 3rd, uh, the day before some customers got their power back. We had on Kelly Young. She was the spokesperson for AES Indiana. We brought her on this program, and she explained what was going on, and I think we had some fair questions to ask her. We're not short-staffed, and we were prepared for this storm. We, we were, uh, we're all hands-on on deck on this uh, storm in particular. Uh, we have over 700 individuals working this, this storm. Uh, we did bring in some crews from uh, out of state. That has nothing to do with uh, our numbers. I mean, certainly we pulled in, like I said, all of the, all of the crews that we have as well as uh, contractors. And uh, this, this hit us hard, and, and uh, our crews are out there working uh, 16-hour-plus shifts and uh, doing what they can to get this power back on. So what's the response when people say, we live in Indiana, tornadoes happen here all the time, storms happen all the time, and it's never been this bad. And at the same time, we see places like Florida that have a Cat 5 hurricane go through like Sanibel Island or whatever, and they're up and they're functioning within a couple of days. What's the response to that? Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, Like I said, this is the most significant storm we've had uh, here in Indianapolis and Indiana uh, in the last decade as it relates to, to damage and to storms. And again, that it, number of incidents that, that I said, you know, 81 over 81,000 customers and again, 2,600 plus separate incidents of damage in the Indianapolis area, not to mention how it impacted the entire state. So uh, we've, uh, you know, we're addressing this. We've got crews that are, you know, I think that the other challenging thing for people to understand is this, this damage, you know, we have these trees, it's twofold so a lot of a lot of uh, tree damage on wires poles and um, we've got to get the, the the trees moved so that our guys can get to the lines and repair those as well too but first, first we've got to clear those those trees out so that was a conversation we had July 3rd uh, with an AES representative right and it sounds like what they're saying is that look there are trees all over the place it's hard for us to go to fix you know your power lines when the big 
big trees you've got in your yard that you don't trim up fall on the street or fall in the backyard. They're kind of playing the tree angle here. Is that something that works for you, Tony Kenneth? So it, it works for me, but not in the way that AES thinks that it might. So it works for me in that, yes, that is a definite excuse that you can pull up that is verifiable and is a pretty decent excuse because when driving to Broad Ripple, back when I was in Indianapolis Public Schools and I would drive every day through those wooded neighborhoods that have trees that have been completely unkempt, yeah, you have a lot of trees that are entangled in those power wires. However, AES did not initially come out when this whole thing came down and said, look, Indianapolis does a really bad job of keeping its trees trimmed. They have no idea how to manage the city. Maybe if they kept their crap trimmed, we'd be good. They didn't do that. So I really don't feel for AES here. That sounds like late to the party. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. I don't care what you think about Taylor Swift's music. I don't really care what Taylor Swift has to say about politics, but the one thing you ha- you can't deny, the one thing you have to tip your hat to, her tour, this heiress tour that Taylor Swift has been doing all over the country, has been an absolute monster. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett is here. Um, Taylor Swift announced earlier today that Indy will be getting three concerts Next year, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, Lucas Oil Stadium, the big Eras Tour. And again, Tony, I don't know how much of a Swifty you are, but game respects game. And this woman has been selling out stadium after stadium. Hell, she's keeping the economy going in a lot of places. So it's one thing to praise someone who has a lot of talent for doing an excellent job. Yeah, like For example, when you praise LeBron, LeBron James for playing basketball, okay, the dude's very talented. But when you praise someone very mediocre for making something mediocre into something incredible, that's something else entirely. And that's Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is a mediocre pop star. All of her albums are the exact same from start to finish. Fall in love with boy, hump the boy, dump the boy. That's the album. And they're all the same. Her concerts are really weird and go- I can't Did stand I hear Taylor. a Can hump you tell? the boy in there? Yeah, that's everyone is, is okay, I'm attracted to sure. this guy. He's a bad boy. We're having lots of sex and I'm dumping it now because I am strong, independent woman. Every album, the exact copy and paste to just replace uh, who are some of the guys that she's dated, Allison? John Mayer. I John think Mayer John ne- Mayer's next. one of them, but I'm thinking of uh, one of the other. Just replaces one with the other. But They're my all point the same is, and I think dude. you're missing the point. Like, clearly you're not a fan of Taylor Swift's no, music. No, but she took a mediocre series of albums and she's turned According it into a to phenomenal... You, Allison, might, on the other hand, might think these albums are really good. So, Allison, you are a Taylor Swift fan. You have seen Taylor Swift in concert. Yeah, I saw this actual concert. So I'll let you take What'd the floor you think and defend. It? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. It was it was a great production. Um, I've said this before on the show, but she performed for literally three hours. Um, and it was just a really good time. It was a really good vibe. Everyone was so excited to be there. Um, everyone Her was fans making, are so dedicated. Everyone right. was making these friendship bracelets and trading them. Even like the security guards were getting into it. It's just a really fun, uplifting time. Like if Keith Olbermann decided he wanted to do a speaking tour and sold out 
out stadium after stadium every single night. I might not like it. I think he's a lunatic. Oh, no, no, no. But the, if he's selling out stadiums, we're not talking about small little bars. We're talking about stadiums. Man, you have to give him a little hat tip. What, what, right? I, what I was saying is it's one thing to praise a guy who's really talented, who, okay, you go out on the court and you do a great job. It's It's even more impressive to me to take Taylor's mediocre albums and turn it into an incredibly powerful What makes tour. you an expert on pop music, Tony? Uh, I would say that being a musician, for one, and I would say being an arrogant Is this where you promote your awful band and your awful music? Is <laughs> no, that where this comes? It's not. Tell me more about you being a mu- musician, I'm not, Tony. I'm not Kevin on the Kendall and on Casey <laughs> show. Uh, however... Kevin, taking some heat. I love it. Uh, he never takes any heat, except, well, I guess Rob gives him heat all the time. Am I turning into Rob Kendall, that's terrible. You are. You're totally. You're like Rob Kendall with like Jeff Foxworthy's facial hair. That's what's going on here right now. I would love I, to recommend some other Taylor Swift songs that aren't about humping. I've I've missed those songs. So uh, there's pl- there's plenty of humpless songs. Okay, but, uh, but that would, I will you be glad that, to, would you uh, say that? I gotta be honest. I kind of want her to put out an album, songs about humping. Would Honestly, you say that Swift's albums are kind of? Do they do follow the same general flow though? I don't think so. She goes from country to pop to uh, indie folklore. I mean, I think. It's it's a good variety. So, well, okay, well, so, hold on, that's hold like on. We're genre shift, here. but I'm talking about the subject. So, if somebody wants to go to a Taylor Swift concert, okay, let's say that these tickets go on sale August 11th, and somebody's lucky enough to get some. Sure. What can they expect, Allison? Honestly, You've been there. Yeah, a really fun time, really good, positive vibes, and honestly, it's just it's you'll be entertained. Does she talk politics? Does no. she, you know, no. I can't believe your state has this going on with abortion. No, it's not one of those things. No, is it? she talks about her music, and then just being appreciative about it. She does awkwardly introduce songs. She's like, last week, I stubbed my toe, and I guess you could say it was a little trouble. And then she starts singing her song. It, it, it is, does get kind of weird there. Man, I think the audience would probably eat it up, though. Which brings us to great <laughs> moments in Taylor Swift history. Here is Taylor Swift performing a song that I think you probably like, Tony. It's Taylor's cover of Pour Some Sugar On Me. Tell me if this does anything for you. Does that move the needle for you, Tony? I I wish her vocals were louder because she's singing it really well. Here is Taylor Swift doing a cover of Eminem's Lose Yourself. Again, a game we play a lot around here. Is this anything? I mean, I, I, I love that album by Eminem. If she wants to sing it, I, I think it's a good song. Why not? And last but certainly not least, the GOAT remix. So, in boxing and in like professional wrestling, there's always a main event, right? The thing that sells the tickets, the thing that everybody looks forward to, it's the main event. Right. 
But if you buy the pay-per-view or if you buy the tickets to go watch it live, there are always undercard matches. You know, something that's not quite as good as the main event, but it builds up throughout the night. So when you go watch boxing, let's say you wanted to see Mike Tyson defend his heavyweight championship in 1986. I have watched that, by the way. I love boxing. You probably had to sit through five or six, maybe seven other smaller matches right. before the main event. Yeah, you gotta, gotta, we got to watch Tito get out there and punch himself in the face. At WrestleMania, you know, back in 1990. Five. Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to be the main event. But before that, you've got a bunch of people on the undercard. So if we all agree that the election main event right now, <laughs> subject to change, is Donald Trump against Joe Biden, are we all pretty much in agreement here that the main undercard is DeSantis against Gavin Newsom? So I've actually was talking to a few people from the Daily Wire about this this afternoon, and this is something that I think is kind of important to know, is that the whole country has to really be paying attention to Biden v. Trump. We're expected to, but as far as the future of both parties, we're actually getting ready to see the, the real question everyone's asking right now, which is, should America be more like California? God forbid. Or should America be more like Florida? Um, that's something that matters a lot more, I guess, from a governing perspective. I think it's going to be a really wild interview. I think DeSantis is really going to have to prepare for this one. But yeah, that's the main undercard. You fit that on the nose. So this debate between these two governors, California's Gavin Newsom, Florida's Ron DeSantis, sounds like it's all systems go. Oh, yeah. It's and supposed it, to be early November, right? And it's going to be moderated by Sean Hannity of Fox. <laughs> and Hannity was like the Trump whistle forever. So like, I mean, for, for four years he was at least. So now I'm looking at this and it's like, well, that's kind of an interesting move. I, I think that, I don't know, I, the whole thing just seems wacky. Why Gavin would agree to go on Fox News and have the sole moderator be Hannity? I think because if it was anyone else than Hannity and whoever else it was would start bickering like Hannity and Combs back in the day. I think this is a win-win for both of these guys. Oh, yeah. Now, before we get to that, this was last night on Hannity's program where Ron DeSantis responds to the challenge of a debate from Gavin Newsom. Absolutely. I'm game. Let's get it done. Just tell me when and where. We'll do it. And here's the thing, Sean. I mean, in, in one respect, the, um, the debate between California and Florida, you know, has already been had, as you suggest. People have been voting on that. They've been voting on it with their feet. They have fled California in record numbers. Florida has been the number one state for net in-migration. We have the number one ranked economy, number one now in education, crime rate at a 50-year low. But in another sense, this is the debate for the future of our country, because you have people People like Joe Biden, they would love to see the Californication of the United nice. States. Biden may not even be the nominee. You could have Gavin Newsom. You could have Kamala Harris. And I think if we go down that direction, that's going to accelerate American decline. We can't see America decline anymore. We need to reverse American decline. So he's right and he's wrong. And he's right about something that very few people are talking about, which is that there is a very high likelihood, and this is actually my private opinion, that Biden does not make it out of the calendar year. I've been I, saying that for a 
a while. Right. But I mean, like, I kind of am not always allowed to, to say that, depending on the, the crowd at hand. And uh, right. that's one of the few subjects. You don't want to be like, make it sound like I'm rooting for someone to pass away because that's not the case. But in the, I do think that Biden is at a point where he is really on his last leg. We're currently witnessing the military industrial complex of the United States and how good it is at keeping a person who's dead alive. But that leaves it's going to be Newsom. Write it down. If it's not Biden, it's Newsom. He's basically running a shadow campaign right now anyway. Kamala can't even pull 3% in her own state. It's not her. No one in the minority communities is voting for Buttigieg. Therefore, it's Newsom. Other than like some random out of nowhere Michelle Democrat. Michelle Obama. <clears throat> Excuse Honestly, me. Something in my throat. I think it would be like Andre Carson has a, has a shot at being the Democrat nominee. Well, I think I also have a shot of being the Colts quarterback, and I think that's <laughs> probably more likely than Andre Carson sniffing anything, Tony. But... <laughs> Let me tell you why this is such a home run for Gavin Newsom, okay? Because let's just say that he goes into the lion's den and he goes on Fox and Hannity's the moderator. DeSantis is on the other side. He comes off as, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm fearless. I'm willing to mix it up on any station. That's the angle that he plays. And no matter what he says, even if it's ridiculous bullcrap, folks on the left will eat it up because he's young, he's a decent-looking guy, He's got tons of money. Oh, he's also very charismatic. And and that's the thing that DeSantis is the weakest at. It really is. DeSantis can win this by beating him up on policy. And it can't just be like a technical knockout. You have this to has to be full. home run derby perfect. Right. This is Tyson on Spinks knockout in round one. Yep. This is the chance that he can reinvigorate his campaign. So really, this is a win-win for both of these guys. As long as Gavin Newsom doesn't embarrass himself, he's going to be viewed as, I'll take on any challengers anytime, anywhere. And as long as Ron DeSantis just beats him up on the policies of Florida compared to yep. what's happening in California, he's got a chance, a puncher's chance, to get back in this thing. Yeah. Tony, every once in a while, society gives you hope. Last night was one of those moments. Eric Swalwell, the representative of California. Fang, fang, bang, bang. Famous for farting on MSNBC. That's the president true. used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. And as you pointed out, famous for Fang Fang, the Chinese spy that he slept with, that Eric Swalwell got heckled at a town hall about abortion. Now, I want you to listen closely. It's kind of off microphone, but you're going to hear Swalwell speaking and somebody yells out, he's a liar. Somebody yells out, where's Fang Fang? Plainly about what the Dobbs decision does and what many of these states are doing with their six-week bans. It's government-mandated pregnancies. Government-mandated pregnancies. We are against government-mandated pregnancies. I'm for women and their freedom, and I think that's where we're ultimately going to end up. Yeah, Eric, we know you're for women. We've seen that act with Fang Fang. But the fact that that actually happened, there's some townie in the back. Where's Fang Fang? So good. Which brings us to great moments in Eric Swalwell history. <laughs> His horrific run for the presidency. He had some lame speech and he was expecting an applause line and nobody clapped. But I will always be real with you. I will be bold without the bold. 
My wife and I. <laughs> the only thing missing out of please that clap. is if Jeb Bush would have said, please clap. But I will always be real with you. I will be bold without the bold. Please clap. <laughs> Great moments in Eric Swalwell history. This is when Lauren Boebert just ripped him a new one on the House floor. My colleague and three-month presidential candidate from California, who is on the Intelligence Committee, slept with Fang Fang, a Chinese spy. Let me say that again. A member of Congress who receives classified briefings was sleeping with the enemy. This is unacceptable. I love it. I love it. Eric Swalwell, such a zero. Look, Swifties and non-Swifties, we can come together on the agreement that none of us have slept with a Chinese spy. <laughs> and worked on the Intelligence Committee. While doing so, uh, marked and docked. It's a- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Big uh, weekend here in Indianapolis. Gen Con is in town. If you're here from Gen Con, enjoy Indianapolis. Spend your money. Have a good time. I just hate it when conventions come to town. Not the convention goers, but the organizers. And they start barking out orders. Well, if you don't change this law, if you don't change that law, we might not be back. Gen Con does that a lot. Isn't this like the fourth time that Gen Con has promised they're not coming back to Indianapolis? The convention city. Right. It's like like last year, remember, there was a big thing. Oh, they're not coming back next year. They really made it this time. Yet, the parking garage was suspiciously full when I drove in today. And the reason they come back is because Indianapolis does a damn good job at conventions. Yeah, we do. It is an amazing job. The folks that, you know, visit Indy and the Sports Corp, no matter what the convention or event is, Indy knocks it out of the park. And that's why people keep coming here. It just wears me out when the organizers of these conventions try to get their way politically. And, you know, the people that attend Gen Con have a good time. They like that all of downtown is kind of connected. They like that they can go to this restaurant and then walk over to the mall or go watch a movie. You know, it's right by their hotel. Get shot in front of a Starbucks. That too. Uh, So welcome to Indianapolis Gen Con goers. And it was a number of years ago. I think it was on Tony Katz program that Matt Bear was asked to go cover Gen Con. Take a listen. All this leather, not a single pair of chaps. Okay, this is Willow, and I'm assuming you're Wonder Woman. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Okay, great. What does your character do? He's got uh, something on his back right now. Hodor. 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 Matthew. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, baby. When I hear the NFL films music, something about me comes alive. We have got preseason garbage tonight. That's right. Preseason trash. The Hall of Fame game is tonight. The Jets against the Browns. No Aaron Rodgers, no Deshaun Watson. Neither one of those guys are playing tonight. So, really, only the real degenerates bet on preseason. Only the real degenerates bet on the Hall of Fame game. So, let's bet on it. Cue up the band. Let's do the season's first degenerate special. It's time for Hammer's Degenerate Special. 
these are the games where if you're betting, you've got a problem. But if you got a problem, you might as well win some money. So let's play. Jets against the Browns tonight. Preseason action. Neither starting quarterback is going to play. We've got the Jets as a favorite heading into tonight. The latest line is two and a half, and the over-under is set at 34 points. Now, that seems pretty low, but that's kind of the norm for these preseason games. So here's a little trend that you need to know about. Two of the last three Hall of Fame games have produced 24 points or fewer. This is the quarterback depth chart of the Jets that you're going to see tonight. Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, and Chris Strievler. This is the Browns quarterback depth chart you're going to see tonight. Joshua Dobbs, Kellen Mond, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So, the entire second half will be a combo of Boyle, Strievler, Mond, and (laughs) Thompson-Robinson. So, if you want to take the over in this game, where the fourth quarter is going to be Strievler against Thompson-Robinson... Be my guest. But Bernie Sanders, what's your thoughts? I think you're dumb. I think you're dumb, too. So here's what we're going to do. Like the gas prices, like the rent, like the grocery prices, 34 points is too damn high. Too damn high. So hold your nose. Here comes the cold water. We are playing the under tonight, Tony Kennett. Under 34 points in this preseason garbage extravaganza, the season's first degenerate special. I think you're going with Dobbs because he was a Vol. He was a damn good Tennessee See, volunteer. that's what I'm saying. You you like him because he's, he's a Tennessee boy. But Wilson and Dobbs probably playing one quarter tops. So then we've got Boyle and Strievler and Mond and Thompson Robinson. None of these guys are any good. Where did Mond go? I don't know Do where remember? Mond went. I, that's what I'm thinking. Every time I hear the name Kellen Mond, I just like a, a weird white space just empties in my head like white noise. Strievler went to one of the Dakotas, and I remember Thompson Robinson at UCLA. The other guys, I don't know. But to me, it's a recipe for the under tonight. Let's make some money. Let's have some fun. NFL football is back. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Hammer and Nigel show. Big Nige still on vacation. Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal filling in. We are looking at live pictures of the D.C. courthouse. Donald Trump has arrived for his third indictment. And Tony, we were talking during the commercial break. We kind of know how this is going to go today, right? I mean, again, this is this is the silliest thing. Good for CNN and MSNBC. You know, every second there's breaking. Trump has now walked through yet another door at this court hearing. And it's like, good, they're getting some ratings out of it, I guess. I mean, it's... It's just all production theater. We know how it's going to go. You know, Trump's going to walk out. He's going to wave. And then you said he's going to go to a restaurant on the way home and buy everyone at the restaurant food. And, right. And, you know, this is cheapening as if the other indictments weren't already cheap enough. It's another series of cheap indictments that are just going to keep up the circus going. But doesn't this just kind of highlight the crazy times we live in that a former president is being arraigned in court after an indictment 
And we know how it's going to go because we've seen it before. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you say it out loud sometimes, you're like, wow, we've really gotten complacent with a former president turning himself into court. And this in D.C. with a D.C. judge and jury, this... Uh I, I, I really think, and they're pushing this trial really fast. I think it's like in the next 90 days or something, early November, maybe, that they're thinking about this this trial for, for Trump here. And all this stuff is really, I think, to accomplish one thing, and that is to keep Trump so busy during the general election that he can't campaign. Somewhere, somebody who's lived in Chicago was going, let me know when he goes to prison, because yeah. <laughs> they had a number of governors year after year that found their way behind bars. Now, speaking of people who should be behind bars, <laughs> let's talk about the Biden crime family here. So we got the transcripts out of the Devin Archer hearing Ooh. with the Oversight Committee. Now, Devin Archer used to be Hunter's buddies, business right. partners, BFF. We're going to go play Euchre together. Hunter, Devin Archer, Archer, Hunter. Well, Devin Archer got in trouble. He's probably going to see some jail time. Sure. He's ticked off that Hunter and the big guy are going to skate on all this. So he's chirping like a canary right now. And I think anybody would be. If you're going to prison for something and the other guy gets off, that sucks. It really does. And, and honestly, this is hilarious looking at how Archer's just decided to set everything on fire as he's on his way to jail. Like, if I'm going, you, you know, you're coming with me. And it's really forced a lot of, well, look at poor Karine Jean-Pierre. And this is the only time you'll ever hear me say poor Karine Jean-Pierre the White House press secretary, because at first it was, well, President Biden knew nothing about Hunter's business. And then it's, well, if he did, he didn't condone it. And if he did, he didn't actively engage with Hunter's business. And if he did, it wasn't illegal. And if it was, it was only because he was doing it that he loved his son. I mean, how many times are the goalposts going to shift right before the screws finally get to the thumbs? Now, if you don't want to sit back and read all of the testimony word for word, you could just watch Tucker Carlson's interview with Devin Archer because on his Twitter account, Tucker sat down with Devin Archer and they laid out all of the things that they were going to talk about. Archer says that Joe Biden knew that Hunter's foreign business partners were in the room and Joe Biden even spoke. Biden, then the sitting vice president, knew that there were Hunter's business associates in the room. Yeah, I think I can I can definitively say at particular dinners or meetings, he knew there were business associates and he, you know, we or if I was there, I was a business associate, too. Yeah. Um, so I think or if, you know, any of the other colleagues from the D.C. office or the New York office were there. So, yeah, at times there were from the, you know, to be, you know, completely clear on the calls. I don't know if it was an orchestrated call in or not. It certainly was powerful, though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. I mean, that's 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 pretty impactful, impactful and powerful. Two key words right there from the mouth of Devin Archer. And then, of course, the million dollar question, how many times would Joe Biden happen to call in while Hunter had business partners around and be put on speakerphone? Um, it's been reported, and you have said that there were occasions when uh, Joe Biden would call in with clients present on a speakerphone. Right. How how many times do you think that happened? I mean, over a ten year partnership, I would um, you know the number I'm going with is twenty. That's probably the, the, <laughs> oh, the amount man. that I so kind of record. Yeah, a lot. 
twenty is the number we're going with. I mean, there there is a point where you have to finally come to terms with. Well, you know, sure he was doing all of this, and then actually moved to the next strategic point because, I mean, the the betrayal from the whistleblowers and from Archer and from uh, former FBI officials, etc. Again, it's just thing after thing after thing that Biden was caught not just hand in the cookie jar. We're talking Winnie the Pooh head stuck in the honeypot. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, it's blatant and it's it's as gross as the most virulent conspiracy theorists quote unquote made him out to be years ago and the company line for so long was Joe Biden has never had any sort of discussion with Hunter about Oh, was that he never business. even heard of it. I mean, if you look back just to 2018, he was telling people he'd never even heard. He didn't even hear that that Hunter was on the board over at Burisma until after he was already on the board. He had no idea. Just, gee, gosh, golly. I mean, how much more blatant do you have? I heard better lies from junior hires caught vaping in bathroom stalls with the vape in their hand came up with better excuses. And it sounds like not only did Joe Biden know what was going on? Not only did he speak about what was going on, he sent Archer a damn thank you letter when it was done. Uh, you know, it was, first of all, it's a lovely letter, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite enthusiastic. It's a little weird, though, right? Yeah. Well, it was. It, listen, it was. It was kind of the beginning of our partnership, and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter. I think at the end of the day, for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world, and I think he was excited about the prospects for Hunter, and um, you know, he was. Uh, just, just thanking me. I think it was a nice gesture. Hammer, have you ever watched a uh, a movie and th- one of the main characters says something later on, like let's say in like Ocean's Eleven, and all of a sudden a bunch of stuff in the movie makes sense and everything clicks into place. So he gets done saying that and talking about all of the private equity influence. And then we go back to when certain prosecutors in Ukraine were fired and when uh, President Biden was like, well, you know, you just call the president and ask him or maybe you won't get that billion dollars on tape. Exactly. On tape in front of God and everybody. Suddenly everything starts to line up and not in the way that's like Hitler and Obama both have six letters in their name. But like (laughs) we're talking. By the way, Obama has has five letters. O-B-A-M-A. Yeah, five letters in his name. But the point, this isn't conspiracy crazy nonsense. This is like, oh, no, it lines up perfectly with what the whistleblowers are testifying. And that's not even what the whistleblowers are testifying about. And it's not just whistleblowers. Now, I want you guys to follow me on this because I want to go through this as quickly as I can. But between Archer, whistleblowers, other witnesses, pics, text messages, visitor logs, logs, we know that Joe Biden had at least 16 meetings with business partners. And we bring receipts on this show. So let's fly through this. Based on all of the things that we just laid out, November 2010, Biden sat down with Eric Schwerin, the president of Hunter's private equity firm, in the West Wing of the White House. November of 2011, Biden met with Chris Hines, co-founder of Hunter's private equity firm, in the West Wing of the White House. In a three-hour meeting. This isn't just like a, a handshake. March of 2012, Biden met with the former president of Columbia, who Hunter was doing business with at his personal residence. December 2013, Hunter flew with Biden on Air Force Two to China, where he was introduced to Jonathan Lee, a Chinese businessman. 
February 2014, Biden had lunch with Hunter and two of Hunter's Mexican business partners who were pictured giving them a tour of the White House. April 2014, Biden met with Devin Archer, co-founder of Hunter's private equity firm, in the White House a week before Archer joined the board of Burisma. Now, stay with me. June of 2014, Biden met with Hunter's Latin American business associate. And after the meeting, this guy emailed Hunter and said, Hunter, I just met your father. So exciting. Hunter replied, I'm glad it finally all came together. These are all things that have been proven. August 2014, pictures show Joe Biden golfing with Hunter and Devin Archer while they were both serving on the board of Burisma. April 2015, Biden had this big dinner in D.C. with Hunter's business partners from Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. November 2015, Biden hosted his son's Mexican business partners, Carlos Slim, Miguel Velasco, and another person to their personal residence. February 2016, Biden flew Hunter and Jeff Cooper, a family business partner, to Mexico City for a business trip on Air Force Two. May of that same year, 2016, Biden met with Schwerin again, the former head of Hunter's equity firm, for dinner in D.C. September 16, Biden attended a fundraiser for a business associate of Hunter and a former advisor in Biden's vice presidential office. May of 2017, Biden met with family business partner Tony Bobolinsky, 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 twice. And in June of 2018, Biden texted Hunter saying that he was with Jeff Cooper, a family business partner, and that Cooper wanted to do some work with them. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So don't call it a conspiracy theory or right-wing talking points. It's all right there, crystal clear, the Biden crime family's outline, and nothing has been done about it. Okay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll, rock and roll. Tony Kennett is filling in for Big Nige, and this is how we're going to play Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by you, Tony. You break down all the information. You give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? My favorite segment. Is this anything? A Maryland woman has earned herself a Guinness World Record because she had a burp that measured at 107 decibels. Here is Kimberly Winter breaking the record. It's 107.3. Is that anything? I was expecting it to be longer, weren't you? I was kind of expecting it to be like one of those like where the cartoon throws their head back and it like shatters windows in the downtown <laughs> and it like you see the waves cross the earth ripples the oceans. I I don't know. I mean it's loud but 
I would hear that and probably rate that the same any other house. So what you're telling me is you were expecting this. And from the Lambda Moo team, Dudley Dawson. Booger. Booger. So that's what you were expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting like like an old man peeing. Like that, I don't know. I, I feel disappointed by her performance. Boy, somebody help that old man if that's what his pee sounds like. Good <laughs> God. <laughs> like I, I'm almost afraid to ask, but what kind of men do you hang out with, Tony? I, that's the analogy that came to mind. I don't grade him. I just deliver. <laughs> There's no off switch on the genius panel. <laughs> Is this anything? A new study on irregular sleep schedules suggests that sleeping in on the weekends can have negative consequences on your health like gut bacteria and that could lead to obesity heart problems inflammation and more is this anything remember about 10 to 15 years ago the first time you heard about like gut bacteria the first time that anyone ever actually made a big deal about it i swear to god every single study these days is like this one thing you're doing may affect your gut bacteria and then like everything that your gut bacteria affects has to do with it i don't know i feel like they're just slapping that on everything right now like back when they used to slap eye and of anything technology like it's an eye toaster like this is just like <laughs> gut bacteria sleep schedule gut bacteria is like <laughs> ball bearings and flesh it's all about gut bacteria these days yeah whenever milwaukee makes a new tool this one's got ball bearings like oh okay man you said that last time is this anything a delivery app called slice is hiring a pizza influencer to post social media videos that celebrate all things pizza. It pays $110,000 a year. It has medical, dental, and a weekly pizza stipend. Is this anything? Well, yeah, if that's my job, they better be paying for my pizza. If I'm grading the pizza, um, I'm more shocked. No, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You spoiled, entitled brat. $110,000 medical and dental, that's not enough to just talk about pizza. But if they don't pay for the pizza, that's a deal breaker for you? I've, yeah. It is. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm going to be flying in. If I'm going to be a pizza influencer, I'm going to be flying in some pizzas from around the world. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be paying for that. Also, I do want to point out, though, really what stuck out to me about this story. I've never heard of the delivery app called Slice. Allison, have you ever heard of, of Slice? Does anybody know what no. Slice okay. is? I haven't. Okay, so how many apps are there for food delivery? Can you imagine opening up a restaurant in today's day and age and having to set up your restaurant with the 436 delivery apps that now exist? What a nightmare. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I have no idea what Slice is. And where did they get $110,000 and all of these perks to they, pay out? They've, they've got to be successful enough to, like, again, just, we're going to hire a Not successful enough influence. for you. <laughs> hey, man. I'm just saying if, if it has, like, it's like office supplies. Like, if I'm working in an office, I'm not going to pay for my own staples. <laughs> Is this anything? Seven <laughs> Eleven has already rolled out pumpkin spice flavored coffee. 
Is this anything? My wife was whining about this one this morning, which, by the way, that phrase has just earned me a lecture when I get home. But she was complaining that because, <laughs> you know, she there have just been a new series of, of flavors and, and things released. And uh, because she happens to be pregnant with our second, uh, she can't drink a lot of coffee right now. And she's like, oh, all of the places are coming out with their fall flavors that are all ice cold because it's summer, but they're introducing their fall flavors. And this is just a Greek tragedy of epic proportions to her. I've never really cared for fall flavors. They just, they don't, they don't do it for me. Well, you're in luck because your amazing wife can't have the coffee. She can still enjoy pumpkin spice and you can help her. You've seen the phenomenon of pumpkin spice and the droves of hot suburban women who flock to order it. Fellas, if you're looking to meet more women but hate the taste of pumpkin spice, Hammer and Nigel products have something for you. Hammer and Nigel's Pumpkin Spice Butt Lotion. Pumpkin Spice <laughs> Butt Lotion is made of bits of real pumpkin, so you know it's good. Just apply a small dab to your bare butt cheeks, uh-huh. then wait for for all the hot chicks in your office to take notice. <laughs> like this. Ooh, who's that? That's Kenny from Logistics. His butt smells like pumpkin spice. I guess we won't be needing these pants anymore. It's You're just right. that easy. <laughs> pumpkin spice butt lotion should be used in moderation. Side effects include the desire to wear Uggs, sleeveless winter vests, <laughs> and yoga pants. Hammer and Nigel's pumpkin spice butt lotion. <laughs> Available wherever Hammer and Nigel products are soul. Tony, you put a dab of that on and she can still enjoy all things fall. I'm going to have to get like the, the industrial size carton, man. You hear all those promises they made in the commercial? I'm sold. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Donald Trump pleads not guilty to all four charges at the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal filling in. And, Tony, we are awaiting Trump's departure from the court. Again, he... No surprise, he has pled not guilty. The judge has set the next hearing in the case for August 28th. So really just a couple days after that first debate, if indeed Donald Trump chooses to be a part of it. I mean, the funniest thing for me uh, about all of this is is looking at the charges that he pled not guilty to. I mean, one's like cons- basically one's conspiracy to run for president of the United States. I mean, that's how silly these charges are. Conspiracy to defraud Americans by saying the election wasn't real. It's like, okay, well, when are we indicting Al Gore? <laughs> I mean, like he did that for weeks. Hakeem Jeffries was rewarded by being the minority right. leader of the right. House. He's a huge election denier. So, again, the judge has set the next uh, date, the next hearing, rather, in the Trump case for August 28th. He's pled not guilty. We are awaiting him to walk out of the courthouse. Serious question, Tony Kennett. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't just answer this for effect. Be 100% honest with me. Okay. You're a smart guy. If Donald Trump were to walk out of that court with a T-shirt on that said, indict this with an arrow pointing down, would his poll numbers go up? I mean, honestly, I think he would see a full Reagan re-election <laughs> sweep every state. You see people like out in the street. like It'd be like the vote for Pedro shirt phenomenon. Like, right. Everyone would, would go and get one. Indict this. And the arrow has to just be a big, huge red arrow. Right, pointing right down. Yeah, like his tie. Like like big, long tie, but it's just an arrow. 
If he does that, the election's over. Yeah. You might as well not even have a Democratic candidate if he walks out of there fist in the air with the indict this t-shirt on. Yeah, and tattooed on his knuckles with his fist in the air is MAGA. Like, that's <laughs> that's how he does it. Uh, producer Allison, we have an update on censorship, which means we need the official big tech censorship music. So we've heard of the Twitter files. Now we're getting a little bit of the Facebook files. Newly released documents show, which were viewed and verified by the Daily Wire, that Facebook repeatedly confirmed to the White House that it was working to, quote, re-engineer its platform in order to accomplish the Biden administration's directives on suppressing content from what they call ultra-right-leaning organizations. So the Biden administration, Tony, they only wanted messaging from like the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC News put out on social media. They would have like an unlimited algorithm, but places like the Daily Wire, Tommy Lahren's name was brought up Mm -hmm. in this, they would be suppressed. And I'm old enough to remember when you were called a conspiracy theorist if you thought, man, am I being shadow banned? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, this has been a thing that conservatives have known for a long time, that basically you get thrown in Zuckerberg jail if you do any, if you say any unapproved opinions. Again, this is just like the Twitter files. We're confirming the White House ordered social media organizations to crack down on anyone who didn't toe the line. Uh, the, the administration, and not just Biden's administration also, you also look at Trump's administration, did some of this as well early on. And this is just yet another reason why when people walk around all shucksy doodles and pretend that no one is is acting suspiciously, everything is fine. Really? You think that these organizations and the government are just batting a thousand? You think that everyone's just being straight up honest with you all the time? Nope, absolutely not. The funny thing is, all of the left-leaning organizations like Vox, who lost their minds during this time because the Daily Wire was continuing to grow, even though they were being heavily suppressed on Facebook. They like doubled their following in, in that period of time. And the White House digital director at the time was this loser named Rob Flaherty. Yeah. And according to the notes here, Flaherty met with Facebook employees and said, quote, if you were to change the algorithm so that people were more likely to see the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and any other news source over the Daily Wire, Tommy Lahren, and other polarizing people, you wouldn't have a mechanism to check the material impact of that? So really strong arming Facebook to suppress the wire, Tommy, Breitbart, outlets like that. Right. And the funny thing is, we actually take a look at the meetings. Flaherty met with these Facebook executives in early 2021. That's right after Biden took office. First thing, immediately, let's get to work making sure that we completely remove any dissenting voice, any dissenting opinion, anything like that. And to this day, you can actually see lingering bits of this kind of an algorithmic push. Uh, for example, locally, there there have been some data monitors who've noticed that uh, advertising 
advertisements for the Indy Star. They go absolutely everywhere. Now, they get relentlessly mocked. Like, no one likes them. Everyone just makes fun of the Indy Star advertisements. But they get pushed at a what's called a considerate metric over any other political organization that advertises in Indiana. And it's, it's really weird, but that is how they've set up the algorithm. And again, this is the government has sponsored one opinion, and anything else is considered treasonous. Honest question. For anybody listening right now, hit us up on social media at Hammer and Nigel, the YouTube chat. If you did like a family feud style survey of everybody and you just asked them this question, what do you think their answer would be? Who is more popular right now in the United States? Zuckerberg or OJ Simpson? What do you think the answer would be? Oh, it's OJ. It's OJ. Every, and I'm blocked by OJ Simpson on Twitter. Uh, I am not allowed to view his tweets. He does not like me. However, I think he is vastly more popular. I would even say I like OJ Simpson better than I like Mark Zuckerberg. So the juice has kind of reinvented himself on Twitter. Now he's kind of the wacky, you know, double murderer on social media. Yeah. But let's go back to something. I think you buried the lead there. You've been blocked by OJ on Twitter. So uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm aggressively sarcastic and I, I have a uh, a little thing here where I mock people doing stupid things uh, relentlessly. And OJ, I can't I think there was a, a tweet that he put out in... Um I think it was like 2021 where he's like, man, this this kind of a, a thing shouldn't be going on. It's just killing me. And and underneath, <laughs> I was like, I think underneath, I I, uh, I posted a picture that someone took uh, of him in, in his courtroom just like grimacing. And uh, yeah, he blocked me after that because I ratioed wow. him on that tweet. Yeah. So what do you think was going on in the mind of OJ Simpson moments before he hit the block button? And... Do you consider yourself lucky to be alive? I, I think what was going through his mind is I wish I could have driven my Bronco through Tony Kennett's delivery room at the time. Uh-huh. Wow. You've been blocked by OJ. That is true. I owe you a drink. That is drink worthy. Well done, my friend. I aim to please. Dateline Chicago, new Chicago mayor Brandon Johnson was basically defending that group of teenagers that looted a 7-Eleven store. So there was a mass looting incident that took place, one of these flash mob type of things, where a 7-Eleven convenience store was looted out. A reporter was talking to the mayor at a press conference and basically said that that was mob action. Mob action. The mayor, the new mayor, the guy that took over for Lori Lightfoot, got his panties in such a wad, he demands that you call that a large gathering. Oh, you're not aware of some of these large gatherings? No. That's 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 not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. Okay, what I'm Hold on a second, okay? <laughs> Respectfully. These large gatherings. These large gatherings, just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you, we have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. We have to be very careful when we use language to describe certain behavior. Oh, it's history in this city. I mean, to refer to children as like baby Al Capones is not appropriate. They looted so, the so, store. So, let me just, so just let me just let me finish, please, okay? What I'm saying is, is that when you ask for very specific examples, there have been other attempts to have large gatherings. 
and we've intercepted those attempts. You can't call it looting anymore, Tony. Oh, no. Well, someone think of the muggers. What about those robbers? You know, just someone think. I mean, the, the pearl clutching of this grown man. Uh, I do love how even the, the Democrat journalists that were in front of him were not having any more of it. Like, are you are you serious? We have time. We don't want to use the word, lo, these large gatherings. This is a man, by the way, who called the January 6th uh, protest. He didn't call it a large gathering. He called it a treason riot. <laughs> but a 7-Eleven looted out where things were stolen, windows were broken. That's just a large gathering. This guy reminds me of the uh, the suburban mom who always excuses the activities of her kids because she says they're just kids. You know, like the kid just like wrecked a car and like set three buildings on fire. Oh, they're just cats. They're just, <laughs> they're just a couple of little rambunctious stinkers. What are you going to do? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Coming up a little bit after 5 o'clock, the latest on President Trump. He is now out of court, en route to Reagan National Airport. We'll get you up to date on the latest arraignment for the former president. We've got that and a lot more coming up. But right now, we've got some state fair tickets to give away. Uh, Let's go to Kevin. Kevin, you were one of our lucky winners. How are you today? Well, I'm fantastic, but you were supposed to use a fake name in case I really messed this up. (laughs) We make this as easy as possible, Kevin. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game called State Fair, Matt Bear, or both. Now, here in just a moment, the traffic beast himself. Now, remember that. Matt Bear will read you a statement. It will either be a statement that's true about the Indiana State Fair, himself, Matt Bear, or it could be both. You get three. Three out of five, we're going to give you the tickets, okay? Fantastic. All right, here we go. Matt Bear, number one. Wants you to try their sausage. Wants you to try their sausage, Kevin. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it's a family station, so I'm going with State Fair. State Fair All is right. correct. Hey. All right. <laughs> one down, two to go. Number two. Watches you a little too closely when you eat a corn dog. Watches you a little too closely when you eat a corn dog. State Fair, That's Matt Bear, or both? That's got to be Matt Bear. Yes, <laughs> did you know? Yes. All right. One more, oh, okay. and we'll give you the tickets. Okay. Makes you sweat in the midway. <laughs> Makes you sweat in the midway, Kevin. That is all the way state fair. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I would have accepted both, to be honest, but all right. Well, I almost said both, but, you know, <laughs> a family state. Right. Kevin, stay on the line. Allison will get all your information. Now, we have another pair, another four-pack to give away. Paul was the lucky caller. Paul, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. You know the game, right? I do. All right, here we go. Get three out of five. We're going to give you the tickets. State Fair, Matt Bear, or both? Question number four is known as the Traffic Beast. Traffic Beast. 
Oh, that's a bad bear. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you knew that. One down. All right, next question. Always bragging about the size of their hog. (laughs) That's a tough one, but I'm going to go with the state fair. Yes. Yes. Definitely state fair. Definitely Um, state fair. Says any girl Matt's ever dated. (laughs) I set that self up for myself there. That makes Nigel vomit with his vape. Makes Nigel vomit with his vape, Paul. I mean, I think the argument could be made for both, but I'm going to go with Matt Bear. Yeah! All right. (laughs) Just for blanks and giggles, what else was on the list, Matt? (laughs) Has access to deep-fried Oreos. Ooh, if you had access to deep-fried Oreos, I would move in with you because those things are awesome. (laughs) They're delicious. Uh, Paul, stay on the line here. Allison will take care of you. Uh, Congratulations. All of our winners, we hope you use those tickets tomorrow and show up at the Indiana State Fair for the Hammer and Nigel show as we broadcast live. Matt, give me one more of these before we get out of here. Okay. Um, is known. I think we've used them all here. Have we used them all? Yeah, we used them all. Okay, okay good. <laughs> here, give it here. Let me see it. We had we had seven makes. Nigel vomit with his vape. Um, yeah, yeah, we did. We did it all. Look at you, man. How did we do that? We only had six clues. I had faith in all of our listeners okay, today. Our... And truth be told, <laughs> if you miss any of these, you don't deserve the fair tickets anyway. You don't get to go to the fair. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! It is the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nigel still on vacation. But Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for the Daily Signal, filling in. Big Nigel will be back tomorrow when we do the show live out of the Indiana State Fair. So Donald Trump has arrived at the Reagan National Airport, Tony. Uh, he's getting ready to hop on the big Trump jet and get out of D.C. He appeared in court earlier, pled not guilty to all of the charges. Again, Donald Trump's statements, this is a very sad day for America. He goes on to say, if you can't beat him, indict him. Your thoughts? I mean, this is certainly kind of the way that it's looking, right? The Democrats are going to use the exact same strategy that they used in 2020 and then they used in 2022, which is make the election all about January 6th and Donald Trump. The thing is, and I've brought this up before, that the more the left adds indictment upon indictment that are really poorly written. I mean, from an objective standpoint, I talked to a friend of mine who's a Democrat in Indianapolis, and we brought up the kind of the the Trump indictment charges, and he's like, it really does read like an opinion editorial for the Indy Star with like one little kind of factoid in it. And that's really what Trump is facing down here. Again, every time they add another one of these weird indictments, it makes the other indictments like the classified document case weaker because you're only as strong as your weakest indictment. And really what their argument is is that Donald Trump refused to accept the election results and he fired up the crowd that ultimately went to the Capitol but we found this out a couple days ago a big part of the evidence that was presented in this case 
edited out the part where Donald Trump said, please go peacefully. Very deceptively edited video was used as evidence here. And a lot of this stuff, now this isn't just my opinion, this is from a lot of high-profile judges who have came out and spoken, said this really falls under the First Amendment. Donald Trump has every right to feel like the election was crooked. He has right to his thoughts and freedom of speech. And that's where a lot of this kind of falls under. I mean, yeah, I mean, the conspiracy to fraud the rights of American people. Like that, that isn't, first of all, that's not a charge. Uh, and number two, there is no basis for said charge. He didn't tell people to go like set election offices on fire. He didn't do any of that. He simply said the election was BS. I think that I won the election and that there was fraud. Again, people have been claiming that about U.S. elections since like 1824. Like this has been a common thing in America, in every republic where you have elections, you're going to have people questioning those elections. That is like a value of republicanism. And that is something that I'm really not seeing uh, nailing Trump to the wall here. I think this is really just a ploy to keep him from going out and campaigning during 24. I mean, there's a long list list of Democrats who have been election deniers, who've been rewarded for that stance. Hakeem Jeffries was lifted up. He is now the minority leader in the House of Representatives. He's a huge election denier, but he got rewarded and Donald Trump got an indictment out of it. I mean, you just see the same thing with George Takei, uh, who is, you know, was out on Twitter telling everyone how horrible this Russian interference turned the 2016 election. We need to stop. President Obama should refuse to give up his office to Donald Trump. And yet all of a sudden, then when Trump questioned the election, it was anyone who, you know, questions U.S. elections is this treasonous right. Traitor. It's like, oh, the shoe's on the other foot now. The next time Takei's right might be the first time, that fraud. I remember when he was ripping on the state of Indiana for a lot of the laws that were here during Mike Pence's time. Many of them, the same laws that California had, where he had this awesome mansion at. But because it was the conservative guy, Mike Pence, who I don't think he likes gay people, was running his mouth and all the followers were saying the same thing. This has been going on for years. And you're absolutely right, Tony. Um, CNN, though, this is their Super Bowl. They love when Donald Trump is in court and facing indictments and going to arraignments, especially when it involves January 6th. When you get CNN talking about January 6th, look out. It's like getting a grandparent to talk about the grandkids. You're going to be there for a while. And... The one police officer that CNN has a good relationship with is the one officer that was there on January 6th that is willing to say Donald Trump's a bad guy. Take a listen to what he compares Donald Trump being indicted to. Hit me. When I first learned about the indictment, um, I had a long conversation with a friend of mine, Ryan Riley, and uh, I told him how proud I felt uh, to be an American at that moment. Uh, much in the way that I did uh, when I learned that uh, our military had killed Osama bin Laden. Um, <laughs> I just felt incredibly proud. 
Donald Trump getting a BS indictment is the same as Osama bin Laden being shot in the face. There was a New York Times opinion piece that came out, uh, I think either today or yesterday, and it was basically asking fellow Democrats, are are we the bad guys? And it's currently getting roasted by a lot of liberals on the East Coast because they really don't like asking that question. And this is one of those situations where you're like, you know what, maybe we don't make that comparison. Uh, No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that a bunch of people walking between velvet ropes in Statutory Hall and a guy stealing the lectern is not the same as 9-11, and it's definitely Trump being charged with a, a free speech-related case is not shooting Osama bin Laden. <laughs> By the way, the guy who actually shot bin Laden also very much disagrees with that as well. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I don't think it gets talked about enough. Do people really feel like our government was about to be brought down by a nerd in the Viking hat. Do people really think that? World leaders have tried, countries have tried, terror cells have tried, but the shaman in a Viking hat apparently almost made us a third world country. Really? That's what we're going with? The the biggest group of gun owners in the country just happened to leave all of their guns at home during an armed insurrection. Usually, if you're going to insurrect, what you want to do is leave all of your insurrection tools at home. That's I mean, hey, you know, like right. you, you go to school without pants on. It's Insurrection yeah. 101, people. <laughs> yeah, you know, they didn't even bring pitchforks and torches. I mean, at least go like Beauty and the Beast mob. Come on. Oh, sorry, not a mob. A large gathering. A large, large gathering. Large gathering. Mostly peaceful at that. <laughs> Allison, let's check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. <laughs> Happy birthday, dude. Kajan, Kajan, Katanji drowned Jackson. It's one of my favorites right there. Uh, a new CNN poll. Not looking good for Hair Sniff McGee. Oh. Now, this is not a Breitbart poll. This is not a Fox poll. This is a CNN poll. All right. Conducted between July 1st and July 31st with about 1,300 random adults. Harry Enton, a CNN's data analyst. And I'll note the reason why that his approval rating is so low at this point is because it comes down to the economy. If you look at Joe Biden's approval on the economy right now, it stinks. It is well below 40 percent. You see it there. Thirty seven percent approval on the economy. And that's the top issue in our poll. So I don't think it's much of a surprise if you are thinking on the issue that's most important to the American public that your approval rating also stinks. 41% approval rating overall, 37% approval rating on the economy. This is a CNN poll, Tony. Uh, I I think that I love that it's a CNN poll and that they actually reported on it because there was a CNN story that ran just the day before that came out in which they were saying that actually Americans should be grateful for President President Biden's beautiful work on the economy. Actually, you're, you're being ungrateful for all the work he's done. How could dare you complain about those high grocery bills? Dude, I bought a bag of Fritos yesterday for $5. Oh. One bag, not not a family size bag, one bag of Fritos at Kroger cost me $5. Dude, you're grateful for that, Tony. Oh, I I I we ate a um Frito pie 
that uh, with the chili, Wolfram oh, chili, yeah, Hank yeah. Hill's favorite meal. Oh man, it was delicious. I ate every Frito in my bowl. Not at $5 a bag, I'm not wasting any. <laughs> Here's more from CNN's data analyst. I mean, the only one who was noticeably worse was Jimmy Carter. You know, we always said Donald Trump had such a low approval rating, right? But if you look, what you see is that Donald Trump's approval rating was actually slightly larger than uh, Joe Biden's was at this point. Trump was at oh. 43%. Biden is at just 41%. So he's doing worse than Trump, who he was always saying was doing so poorly. I love it when rare and maybe accidental acts of journalism happen on CNN. Gosh, because, all right, so so take a moment here. If CNN actually took themselves seriously as a journalistic organization and they actually ran with that kind of material all day, then CNN actually might be able to advise the left on how to be better at their job. That kind of criticism might help Dems be better. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. I see what you did there, Allison. Every once in a while, we need to have a little group therapy. Mm, That's why we have this segment called, How Have You Injured Your Crotch? Because in my 45 years of life on this planet, if I've learned one thing, Tony Kennett, Mm. it's that everybody has a story about injuring Big Jim and the twins. That's true. So... Drew, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, well, uh, like you, I've uh, coached baseball, and uh, two words, batting practice. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yep, those comebackers, man. Comebackers. Yeah. Uh, Was it tough. the bat or the ball? It was the ball, and after that, I sold every baseball in the house. (laughs) It was that level of an injury that broke you for baseball for life. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. I know what you're talking about, brother. I know. Thank you, Drew. Tim, you are next up on the Hammer and Nigel show. Tim, how have you injured your crotch? Well, I was riding a uh, twin Stingray bicycle, and I decided flying off a hill and when i did my feet came off the pedals and bam i hit the center bar oh no i think most people that grew up riding bikes have some sort of bike injury story and uh, everybody just went oh at the same time oh the man just got x gamed oh the pain uh thank you tim matt you are next up on the hammer and nigel show matt how have you injured your crotch Hey, love your guys' show. Uh, my little story is about when I was a younger man, I was a, I worked in landscape. And we had loaded up the trailer with trees, and then we, you know, you have to tarp the trailer to protect the trees. Uh-huh. So we, 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 you tarp it down and you use bungee cords. Well, I stretched that bungee cord to its max, oh, locked no. it under the trailer, and that thing came undone and, and, and hit the twins. Oh! Man, went from landscaping yeah. to manscaping. <laughs> you betcha, buddy. Not a good day. Oh, that hurts. Like, if you've ever been snapped by a bungee cord. I, uh, That's no joke, man. I had a water balloon slingshot that I was pulling over my head because I was an idiot in high school and it slipped off my head and whack. Oh. Uh, William, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? Well, like the previous callers, I've martial arts, baseball, doing stupid stuff, but the one that really <laughs> got my attention the most 
was 18 years old, first construction job as a framer. I'm up on the house putting decking down, and, well, learning curve. I stepped on a piece of decking that hadn't been nailed down, and I took a magic carpet ride on the decking. <laughs> at first, it was kind of cool. And then that board slid out from underneath me, and I'm looking down, and I'm 6'2", and I straddled the sawhorse. Oh. Um, it wasn't a direct it was not a direct hit, but that is when I learned from previous experience plus that that just getting grazed seems to feel a lot worse than taking a square hit to the twins. Oh, right. Just a grazing is enough to make you want to go home with the ice pack. You're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be a square hit. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? Well, it wasn't me. It was my gunner <laughs> in Iraq. Uh, he, he got hit in one of his twins with a paintball gun. A lot of and paintballing nickname, go on in Iraq, Jeff? Well, before he got deployed, this happened to him, so we called him Tater. <laughs> <laughs> and that boy made me a lot of money because when a new unit would come in, i tell him, said, my gunner's one, one twin beats anybody. And he's like, no way. I want about, I'd say $100 off that guy, but he was a good kid. <laughs> Must have been a military police unit. That's the exact kind of shenanigans that go on there. If this segment doesn't win a Marconi, by the way, just throw the award in the trash can. Eddie, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? I had that many moons ago when I was uh, younger, lad, and uh, I, my girlfriend at the time caught me cheating, and I was walking up to her. I knew something was wrong, and she kicked me right and the gonads and that, that's uh, pretty bad. I've had a couple others, but that was really bad. Do you feel like you deserved it, though, Eddie? Do you feel like that was karma working itself out? Yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me on that apology. You can yes. hear the injury in the reflection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, KJ on the uh, YouTube chat. This great shock jock radio is showing ignorance. Yeah, it's the Hammer and Nigel show. We were named number one in America last year. Thank you for listening, KJ. Uh, Chad, you're next up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Thanks, gentlemen. Finally get to talk to you. Uh, back in the 70s when streaking was popular, uh, <laughs> I was starting across a front yard trying to impress a girl. And, you know, they have those four-foot-high chain-link fences back oh. those days. And, yeah, I went across the fence, and I didn't quite get it right, and <laughs> snagged the bag. Oh, <laughs> dude. So oh. That kind of hurt. Oh. And I get up, and luckily it wasn't real, real bad, but she was laughing, so I had to kind of laugh, and then limp my way back to where I had my pants. Uh, so, yeah, that was not a good night, and, and it didn't do me any good with her either. Did, yeah, that, yeah. did that laugh sound like an old squeaky chew toy? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes things happen in life, and you just kind of realize that was not a smart thing to do. And I think it's science. When you start a story with, back when streaking was popular, only good things can happen after that. <laughs> Nick, you get the last word here. Nick, how have you injured your crotch? Well, I'm glad you saved this one for last. 
Uh-oh. So my my uncle was plowing roads in Kentucky. <laughs> he pulled over to the side of the road, had to work on the plow a little bit. He climbed up on top of the front of his truck and he slipped. And when he did, the edge of that snow plow <gasps> ripped open his sack. Oh! And the, and the boys fell out. Oh! Now, the best part is while he's grabbing himself, trying to hold everything in, his parents drive by. Oh! So with his free hand, he's waving like crazy, trying to get them to pull over and help him. And they just smile and wave and drive on by. Everybody in the newsroom is like looking in the window right now, like concerned, like this is amazing. Oh my God. You're right. That's the walk-off shot right there. That's the grand slam to end the game. Nick, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I'm in, I'm in pain at the moment. I I am too. I don't know if I'm ever going to be happy again. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! And now... And Nigel go off the rails with Rock Kindle. Noise pollution. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. The Tonus, Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. And look who just crawled into the studio. Ready to go off the rails. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. How are you, Rob? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. You know, you're uh, you're really in the studio with the big-timer hammer. I don't know if you know, today I uh, interviewed Nils Lofgren on our show. You did. And <laughs> was he one of these celebrities? Like, like a number of years ago, I spoke with Judge Reinhold. Yeah. He, he came to town for like the Indy 500 parade or something. And the media tour that he did, he kept telling people he didn't want to talk about his old work. <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to talk to Judge Reinhold about? <laughs> Judge, what do you think about the Middle East, Judge? Can we talk about that? What do you think about that? You know, it's funny. Niels Lofgren is the lead guitar player for the E Street Band. Nigel actually hooked me up with this. The guy who they had openings. Niels Lofgren has a new album out. So he does more for your show than he does for ours. <laughs> <laughs> and so Nige said, you know, hey, I see this opportunity. I know you're a huge fan. You want to do this? I said, sure. And it was interesting because they said, well, look, you have X amount of time because he's doing the tour and, he, you know, he got 10 minutes and he goes to the next radio station, whatever. That's great. But they said, well, you can only ask him a certain amount of questions about Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And on one hand, I get it because he's got a new album out. It's called Mountains. I'm sure it's great. Nils Lofgren is phenomenally talented and they want to talk about that. But it's like, you're known for doing this. Right. And it will help me promote the other thing if we can talk more about this. The average fan, the average listener might not know who the hell you are. Yeah. But if you say you're in the E Street band, then people know who you are. Yeah. And he, look, I have a great affinity for Nils Lofgren when I was 19 years old. Uh, I, he recorded some liners for the radio station I was working at. They let me do it because they knew I was a huge fan. And he was super cool. And we sat there and shot the breeze for about 20 minutes after he was done. He sent me a signed 
CD. And I got to tell him that story. I said, I'm sure you don't remember this because it was 20 plus years ago. But I said, that had a huge impact on my life. And it was cool to be able to tell him that story. And I'm sure he's forgotten this as this airs now. But it was like cool for me. But on the other hand, it's like, I would like to talk more about the stuff that, well, everybody kind of knows you for. Right, right. So I want to get your thoughts on like Mike Pence and all that kind of stuff coming up. But since we're talking concerts and musicians and things like that, look, say what you want about Taylor Swift. I don't necessarily like her music. I don't care what she has to say about politics. But the fact that she's announced an indie show, this is a pretty big deal. Three dates coming next year. And this tour that she's on, it's probably the biggest tour that's been around in a long time. I'm trying to remember, when was the last time one band or one individual had this type of tour where everybody lost their mind about? Well, it's interesting because we just talked about Nils Lofgren and Bruce Springsteen. He is second to her this year in terms of revenue. He's back on tour for the first time in seven years, going over all over the world. And he is second to her in revenue, but I don't think it's even close. Like I think he is such a distant second, and you're talking about he's selling out every venue that, that, that he's doing as many musical acts are because people are starved for music because of COVID. Here's my issue. Well, one of numerous issues with the Taylor Swift deal. It's not until November of next year. Right. So if you're shelling out your hard-earned money, let's say it's, I don't know what a ticket's going to run for. Is it $1,000, $2,000, $500? It depends on where you sit, obviously. But let's say it's a $500 for a ticket. You've got to sit on that for 15 months. Do you have $500 just to throw up in the air and say, well, I'll cash in on it in, in, in 15 months? I mean, if going to that concert is the equivalent of going to the Super Bowl for somebody, then yeah, absolutely. If you told me, hey, we're going to let you buy Super Bowl tickets. Only a few get sold out there, but this is a great experience. You're going to go to Miami. You're going to go to New Orleans, wherever the Super Bowl's at, and you've got over a year to look forward to it. I could see that. Now, look, I have been to multiple Taylor Swift concerts, and I don't know. First of all, let's stop that right there. Hold on. How does Mr. Off the Rails end up at multiple Taylor Swift concerts? I was ordered to go. <laughs> there was a lady involved. Okay. And I have no idea why someone would pay $500 to torture themselves. You could stab yourself with a knife in the eye at home for free. So I don't know why people would pay that sort of money to do that. To Allison's themselves. giving you the finger right now because she went to Cincinnati. <laughs> but I just, to me, it's okay. It used to be, hey, the Who is going on tour, you know, the announcement's in March and it'll be they'll be in Indianapolis in June. I get that. You're buying in March. You're going to cash in in June. This this seems like, for a regular person, a long time to just lose your money. But that goes back to my original point. This isn't about Taylor's music or what we think about Taylor Swift. The demand is clearly there. I mean, this thing's going to go on sale, whatever it is, this weekend, and all three of those dates in November of 2024 will be sold out quickly. Yeah, Kev, Kevin, our producer, and I were talking, Casey was out today on the show, Ethan Hatcher was in, and I said, if you are a man, you need to stay as far away from this these events as humanly possible. Because on the surface, like when you go to the uh, New Kids on the Block concert, it's a great 
it's a great strategy if you're a single man because it's 90% women. It's the million MILF march it when is. the new kids on the it block is. And those town. women are there to have fun and they're there to party and they're going to take their underwear off when 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 uh, Donnie Wahlberg takes his shirt off and they're going to throw <laughs> it on stage. And they're not going to get with Donnie, so you got a chance of being you know, the next best option. It's a numbers game. However, a Taylor Swift concert, because all of her music is exactly the same about how despite being 30-whatever years old and being a billionaire, <laughs> she just can't pick the right man and that is everybody's fault but hers and almost every single song she writes is about how she got done dirty and that's what women are coming to that concert prepared to enjoy and be entertained by. They're not going to want to deal with you as a man because they've just been told how awful you are. And now Allison is giving you two middle fingers. <laughs> the double bird from producer Allison. Uh, one more thing before we move on. Yes. Um, you're going to be joining us Friday at the State Fair, right? I'm so excited. Uh, it is a Beer Sample Friday. It is a Hammer and Nigel at the State Fair. And then you guys, it is my understanding, you're actually going to be introducing uh, Sticks on stage. Yeah. So our show wraps up at 7, and then around 7.15, 7.20, whenever they get ready, yeah. uh, we go on stage and we get to introduce the band. Uh, I'm thinking about tossing my baby up on stage and seeing if Tommy <laughs> Shaw will catch, uh, catch Olivia. <laughs> so if anybody wants to see Rob Kendall in person, or if you're one of those Twitter keyboard tough yeah. guys that's ever, you know, well, if I ever see Hammer and Rob, I'm going to tell them right to their face. <laughs> you know where we're going to be at on Friday. Come on by. Let's have a conversation. We welcome that kind of I'm thing, right? I'm so excited. I mean, the State Fair, it's out in full force. Hammer and Nigel will, will be there. I'm guessing maybe hopefully some of the other WIBC personalities might show up for this. And then, you know, after the Hammer and Nigel show, you can watch Jason and Nigel make complete asses of themselves <laughs> up on stage with the band Sticks. It'll be great. I got news for you. You can watch that during the show <laughs> as well. People think that Beer Sample Friday only starts at 5.45. It starts earlier. No Little way. inside baseball. <laughs> All right, let's get down to business here, Rob. Speaking of the Indiana State Fair, our former midday guy, oh, yeah. Mike Pence, Boy. was speaking at the fair yesterday, and it really was a tale of two different Mike Pences. When he was delivering the official speech, you know, up there on the stage, you know, in front of the crowd, it was predominantly about the economy, about the inflation, and he took the high road talking about Donald Trump, just stating that we need new leadership. But then when the cameras came around afterwards and the little press gaggle happened, he was calling Donald Trump names. We had crackpot attorneys. Uh, he was bringing the fire at that point. Tale of two Pences yesterday. You know, it's funny. I realized yesterday Mike Pence has literally become a Simpsons episode because he is now begging people to send him $1. A grown-ass man is begging strangers to send him $1 so that he can get on this debate stage. He is the episode where Homer gets the robo-dial and a happy dude <laughs> is begging people for $1. He has turned into a pathetic shell of himself. Now, why is he begging people for a dollar, in case somebody doesn't know? You have to get 40,000 individual donors to get on the debate stage. And it's such a low bar that even a guy named Doug Burgum has hit it. Yet, Mike Pence is so despised in the Republican Party. According to the press presser they had yesterday, he's still like 10,000 people short. He, is, he has not hit the 40,000. And the debate is coming up right? soon. It's later this month. You have the former vice president of the United States, who is so loathed in his own party, he is struggling to get 40,000 people to send him $1. It's pathetic. 
pathetic. Now, what's even more pathetic is this guy is so disingenuous and so hypocritical and such. At this point, he's just a sociopathic, pathological liar. He is attempting to act like he was totally against Trump and he was totally off board and crackpot attorneys. Two days before January 6th, he is in a stadium full of people in Georgia saying, I stand with Donald Trump. That's his direct quote. I stand with Donald Trump. He knew Trump objected to the election by then. He knew Trump thought the election was fixed. He knew the Trump thought the election was stolen. And yet he says, I stand with Donald Trump. We have real doubts about this election. We're going to hear the objections. Millions of people. I'm with them. He is, he is such a shell of himself, and he is such a pathetic person, and I'm embarrassed for him. What's the end game for Mike Pence? Because I don't think whoever the Republican nominee is, whether it's Trump, you know, if he gets locked up, whether it's DeSantis, whatever the case may be, I don't think anybody is picking Mike Pence for anything. And he's certainly not going to win. So what's he doing? What's the end game for him? Well, Mike Pence is seeing a 23-year-old, 23-year-long con blow up right in his face. Mike Pence is a total grifter, as is his loser brother, Greg Pence. And they are seeing this charade blow up right in their face. Why are you so mean to Mike Pence? Because he's totally disingenuous. I worked under Mike Pence, and what I saw when I worked under Mike Pence was a guy that was the, or his administration, which is him, it is a reflection upon him, and it has now played out over the past many years, is a guy who said one thing and then did the exact opposite in terms of governance. And I Give me an example. Well, okay, so a great example of uh, Mike Mike Pence saying one thing and doing another thing. When I worked at the professional licensing agency, that place was a total train wreck. I've seen rallies that were run better than that place. And when I went down there, they asked me to go down there. I'd previously worked for the state auditor. They asked me to go down there. I didn't come kicking and screaming, go, please, please, let me work for state government. Please, I want more of it, please. I did a really good job in the state auditor's office. They sold me a bill of goods. Yeah, we're going to make changes, and we're going to storm the Bastille, and it's all going to be different. We're going to reinvigorate government. It's going to be awesome. And I said, hey, let's go. And you get in there, and you realize it was all about protecting the brand. It wasn't about protecting the taxpayers. It was about doing better for the taxpayers. At every step, when I tried to do something that would help the taxpayers, they stood in the way because, well, it might make the state look bad. We might have to admit that we're not doing things properly. It might make Mike Pence look bad. Screw that. We're supposed to be there to help people. And Mike Pence was always about helping and protecting himself. Okay. So, fast forward to... Today, what's the end game? Uh, so I'm binge watching 24 now, as you know. Yes, Jack Bauer and company. Yes, and throughout every season of 24, there's always some super villain who, when they get caught, they're trying to strike a deal for immunity. I want immunity from David Palmer now, or I'm not talking. <laughs> and that's what Mike Pence is doing right now. He's looking for his his version of the immunity deal because he's a grifter. He's not going to work a real job. He's not capable of working a real job. He hasn't worked a real job in a very, very, very long time. So I. I think he is seeing a pathway, much like Chris Christie, where the rip on Trump crowd or testify against Trump or badmouth Trump, maybe that gets him a job at CNN. Maybe that gets him a job at MSNBC. The grifter is planning the next grift. He is looking for his immunity deal from David Palmer. What is coming up tomorrow on the amazing, highly rated Kendall and Casey show? Well, there's a new poll out that appears to show Democrats might like Kamala better than Joe Biden. And you want to talk about a choice between bad and worse. We're going to dive into it. You ever see that South Park episode where <laughs> the election came down to a turd sandwich or a giant douche? That's what we've got in our mayor's race, and that is what is shaping up 
for the Democrats right now. Well, I'm so excited for Friday to see you guys at Beer Sample Friday. Thanks, as always, to Garage Doors of Indianapolis. He is off the rails. Come see him at the State Fair with us tomorrow. Rob Kendall, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.